0: Well, the challenge for the last five weeks is to love like Jesus when we choose to lose. Uh, we're uh, at our final sermon, the fifth sermon in Choosing to Lose series, and I, I want to I just say a couple things before we get into this message that I hope that these messages have spoke to you um, as much as they have me because I find that sometimes it's easier, easy even as a follower, even as a, uh, I'm going to be a Christian or I am a Christian in my life, it's easy to get into these modes where we get in a rut and it's mundane and everything's the same. Um, my dad is quoted to say, and I don't know if it was his or he got it from someone, but he said, a rut is a grave with both ends of it knocked out. So we, we get too comfortable. We, we start spinning tires. We want to we stay the same. We don't want to change. We don't want to move. And throughout this whole sermon series, God, through his word, has challenged us. He's challenged me. I don't know if he's challenged you, but he's challenged me. He says, Matt... You're going to have to choose. If you want to live like me, you're going to have to choose to live like me. And living for Jesus is not anything that's easy. See, that's a lie that the church tells us. When you become a Christian, when you become a follower, everything's the berries from here on out. Man, (laughs) no worse a lie, I don't think has ever been told. I I want to thank a couple people. Uh, several people. Yesterday, we, we talk about loving and living like Jesus, and some of our shirts say it. Uh, some of our shirts say relaxed and relevant. Uh, but we have community love, and yesterday we had one. Yeah, the rain happened. Guess what? People still went. People still went. Love knows no season. So they went to the park, and they handed out items, and they were able to hand out and make a difference and an impact in people's life, giving them basketballs and, and Barbie dolls and soda And candy and chips. And we just wanted to take that opportunity yesterday in a part of town of Mount Vernon. And we just wanted to go to people and say, we love you. Because this is what the world says. The world says, you give me what you have. I'll take it. You don't get anything back. Jesus says this. If you give for me, you're going to have a life like you cannot imagine. The problem is this. Giving away of that life is one of the hardest things you can possibly do in the history of your life giving when we don't want to give is hard because we fight a carnal human self that wants to do what we want right listen if you have the remote control at your house you want to watch what you want right yeah if you're at my house and i have a controller and mary's not home man my tendency is going to go to deadliest catch deadliest catch wicked tuna uh gold rush i'm a big fan of gold rush i like gold rush See, we, we have these tendencies to do what we want to do, and that's it. And that can be very, very dangerous. So as we conclude this, this fifth sermon on choosing to lose, I want to, that today's going to be a challenge. Today's going to be, what am I doing? It's going to be an inward look, and I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at me. But today I'm going to challenge us to let God look at us, give us His opinion, His word on our life. God, where am I at? Where do I need to be? This is where the rubber meets the road. We can listen to great preachers. We can listen, and I'm not claiming to be in that category, by the way. There's far more people that can preach better than me. So we can listen to these sermons. We can do Bible studies. But until we take this word and we eat it and we ingest it and it becomes part of us, can we live like Jesus? That's it. It has to be outward. See, we love outward because we have an overfilling of God's love inside us. That's what spills out. And that's if you've experienced that, that's the exciting time. And the hard work happens well before that, doesn't it? The hard work of, whew, okay, get up and go to church today. Listen, the Bible says, Jesus Jesus tells us, says, do not neglect meeting together. This is an important time. Listen, we're in, a, we're in a busy, busy season. If you have any relatives in school, you're talking about the words graduation, graduation party, birthday cake, iced tea, ice cream, invite me. No, please, you know, <laughs> I've been to plenty. I've been to a whole bunch of graduations this last week, but... But in that video that Rhett Walker sang, you see the kids flipping on the trampoline. You see the having summertime fun playing catch with a football. And as the graduation season is here upon us, almost past us, I've been reminded as I've been sitting in those ceremonies, life is quick. Life is quick. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament that our life is like a vapor. Gone. I talked to a person that's over 80 years old um, this past week, and I said, how fast did your life go by? And they, they, didn't, they didn't become emotional, but they just overly expressed, Matt, two weeks ago, I had my first baby. Literally, in her head, two weeks ago, I had this. Uh, you know, I, I got married. I graduated high school. I watched my kids graduate. I watched my kids get married. Now my grandkids are grown. I don't know how this happened. See, if you have children, if you're around people, some, some, of, these, some of these graduates in connection, if you, take the, if you take this into consideration, seven years ago, where were they? All of a sudden, seven years are gone, now they're graduating. That was fast, huh? If you've been a part of us for seven years, that was pretty quick. But we look at this, at this video and we look at this choosing to lose theme, and it means in our life, we have to choose to lose in our life. We have found that we are to give no matter the cost. What we want to do in our carnal argument, our human argument is this. God, I don't need to give. I don't want to because it's not convenient. We oftentimes use that word. Something that as I was studying going through this this message, I was often reminded, God never said that. He didn't, it wasn't convenient to give a son, yet he gave a son. And to be more personal, because I believe that we live life together as a church, to be personal, I've had a conversation with God this week saying, God, I have no idea why you choose to do the things that you do with me, with the people in my family, because we mess up and we're broken and we're just, I have no idea how you can do some of the things that you do with working with the people that you get to work with. And it wasn't a negative, you know, it wasn't a negative point on us. It was, God just doesn't quit, does he? He doesn't quit. Love Like Jesus is the name of that song. The very first line says this, starting right here, right now, I'm turning another page. Now, if we wanted to get really awesome and maybe a connection version of this, we go back, and I know that it starts with E minor just because I like to play it, but if we want to go back and Bob Seger turn the page, everybody be, yeah. I know some of you like those radio stations, by the way. Watch this. Who sings Slow Ride? Thank you. See, you guys. I told you. Yeah, who sings Signs? Oh. It's so, so. We're talking about turning another page, and this is what God says. This is what God says. This is awesome. I've told you a couple weeks ago, I told you last week about how I talked to a lady and she said, referring to my life in college, she said, Matt, there's no way you can be a pastor today because I knew how you were in college and I looked at her, wasn't being a smart aleck, and I said, I'm so glad that I'm not defined by my past. Today, God says this, right now, right now, right now, right now, today, I want to begin a new work in you. I want to change you. I want to grow you. I want to take you to a place that you've never been spiritually with me and a relationship with him. He says, right now, right here. Choosing to live like Jesus looks like this. We're going to see today that Jesus gave. We're going to see today that Jesus mentored. How do we know that he mentored? Because he got away with saying some of the things that he said. uh, He understood they were in a spiritual relationship, mentor-mentee relationship, that he could talk that way to them. He loved the unlovable. Jesus chose to lose it all for us. He gave it away. He gave his life for us. And too often, I sit in my own little cubicle in this world and go, "Uh, I don't really need to give that. It's too painful. I don't think that we want to get in the argument of comparing our pain to what God had to go through to send His Son. I don't think that's an equal comparison whatsoever. If you have your worship handout, that's this piece of paper that you were probably given when you walked in the door by someone who chose to lose, maybe getting a refill on their coffee, Maybe talking to some of the people that they want to talk to that they know that came in, but you were they chose to lose to hand you this. So if you have one of these, this is our worship handout. If you flip it to the just the first open page, it's going to be right here, and we have these these blanks, and we get to fill them in while we go through the sermon. It helps you stay engaged. I hope that you I hope that you keep these. If you're like me, I got at home, you know, I have this stack. I know some of you have your Bibles that are like like over the binding. Okay, I know I understand, but if. I like to take these, and, and the next time that I read these verses of Scripture, if I mark in my Bible where we, where we are, it brings out another point. It brings out a different point. Oftentimes, God uses these points right here to impact my week, before and after. He uses these points. But if you are with me, look at the first blank on your, on your worship handout. If you have a pen, a pencil, you can fill this in. It says this, choosing to live like Jesus means that you will be living a life Like no other. Now, this is something very familiar to some of us who have been here the last four weeks because we talked about this. We talked about this in financial matters Dave Ramsey used in his in his in his book Total Money Makeover. If you live like no one else later, you can live like no one else. If you'd like to know more about that, come and talk to me. I can personally tell you it would change your life. Change your life. I told you also that Dave Ramsey is not Jesus Christ. He just has some really good techniques because you know why? They're based on the Bible. But choosing to live like Jesus means that you will live a life like no other. I don't know about you, but this might be the most challenging thing I've read all week. Think about that. Think about living a life like no other. You're by yourself. You're solely alone. Sometimes you don't have support. Sometimes you do. What a demand on us. What a hard thing to do. Because living a life like no other looks like this. Watch with me. It's choosing to submit to leadership. We're not going to go into story time with this, okay? But understand that submitting to leadership in your job, there's not too many people that are on the very, very tip-top. It kind of just pyramids down from there. Somebody usually has to answer to somebody. And being submissive to a leader sometimes can be very, very hard. Jesus chose to submit to leadership. Remember, his disciples asked him a tax question and said, we're Jewish, we don't want to give to the Romans. You know what Jesus said? He gave us give to the government and to the Romans. What's the Romans? And give to God. What is his? See, he fell under the leadership. He honored what he was supposed to do. He also did this. He chose to live in a human body. Can you imagine? Now, we're talking about the Savior of the universe here. God's Son, who's lived in perfection since prior eternity until further eternity. I can't explain it to you. Don't ask, okay? It's just, it's deep. But he's always existed. John 1, 1 says that. But Jesus chose to live in a human body that had limitations. Think about that. His human body had limitations. Just choosing to do that, choosing to honor and be under his dad's leadership. Okay, if this is necessary, I'm going to do this. I don't want to have to put on one of those human shells, dad. It's got to happen. They need to have an example to follow, and we're going to see exactly how that works. Choosing to give his life so that we can be free. We're going to be looking at the book of Mark today. Mark is the second book. So if you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to have it on the screen in just a second. Mark is the second gospel. It goes, Matthew, Mark. So if you find where the New Testament starts, if you don't know where that is, look at the beginning of your Bible. There will be a table of contents. Find the page number and go there. But we're going to be in the eighth chapter of Mark. And we're going to be talking about a verse and some verses that are probably really familiar and you've heard, probably heard them preached before. But we're going to check out a little bit different angle on them today, hopefully. And we're going to let God just speak to us and let God... God, just talk to us today. Isn't it fun? Isn't it cool to know that you can literally just talk to God? I was at a graduation yesterday, and she was, not, she was not being rude at all. But this can show you what kind of relationship she has with God. She was praying in front of the entire graduating class and half the town yesterday. And she gets up to give the closing prayer, and she gets up from behind the microphone, an 18-year-old girl and she goes, let's pray. And she goes, hey, God. That kind of intimate conversation. Hey, God. Isn't it cool to know that we can have that kind of relationship? But it takes this. Having that kind of relationship, choosing to live like Jesus, means that you will be living a life like no other. We're going to be challenged today in the, in the book of Mark. We're going to be really, really challenged so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to pray for us right now, that we just hear what God wants us to hear individually. So if you would, just bow your head with me if you will. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this book, this, this holy, awesome book of Scripture with the stories, God, and the truth that you give us on how we should live our life, how we can live our life, and how we can live it more abundantly. God, that you don't want us to live under a shell in a house without saying anything. God, you want us to live a life out loud. You want us to live like no other. You even call us peculiar people. God, today, right now, there's going to be some people, including myself, in this room that you want to speak to and you want to teach through these scriptures, through these worship handouts. Maybe you've already begun with the songs. God, you're speaking to people's heart, God. I just ask that in this this one day, God, that we can just soak up everything about this topic that you want us to know right now. How to choose to lose. Maybe there's some things in our life that we've been struggling with that, God, we just need to choose to get rid of. God, we love you. We thank you. You're good. Amen. If you're with me, check out the book of Mark, eighth chapter, starting in verse 31. Now, Mark is the second book in the Bible The Bible is not put together in the time that they were written. Mark is probably almost unanimously thought of as the very first gospel. We're talking 30 to 35 years. It's written. It's put down on paper 35 years after Jesus is ascended to heaven. This is close. This is really, really close. And if you get into study theological matters... And they talk about the significance of Mark and how early it is. There are pieces and fragmentations of the book of Mark that are placing Mark far, far, far closer than 30 years to when Jesus was walking this earth. It's just just fascinating to me to see how this Christian movement, this follower of Jesus' movement started in Jerusalem where they were opposed. (laughs) And 2,000 years later, it's still going. In verse 31, we're in the 8th chapter. Jesus is talking to the 12 disciples. I'll give you a little bit of background. He's talking to the 12 disciples, okay? Now, these, these guys were ordinary. These guys are lower socially than probably everybody in this room. All they did was fish, and they fished today to eat tomorrow. Okay. Socially, they're not bigwigs. They're not the mayor. They don't hold political office. These guys were normal, almost below normal. But he's talking to them because he took three and a half years to teach them, to mentor them. How do we know? We're going to see in just a second how he can speak to them. These are the men, listen, they walked with Jesus. I can tell you details about people in my family that you can't because I walked with them and you didn't, right? See, these gospel writers would go and they would literally interview. Luke went back and he would interview these people that literally walked with God, with Jesus, or they they were related to the people that did this. This is how we can get such a truthful account. But by all means, they were the most ordinary men. Look with me in Mark 8, verse 31. He's walking with them, he's talking with them. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man, he's referring to himself. Jesus is the Son of Man. He says this. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. Why? because he's prophesied to do so, by the way, in Daniel, way back. Daniel 7, 13, in the Old Testament, he uses the Son of Man as a term that means this, in the end times or in the new covenant, a heavenly figure who has power and authority. Yeah, that's him. (laughs) So many thousands of years earlier that Daniel say this, and Jesus was prophesied to be the Son of Man, to be this, to be 300 and some things that he fulfilled, every single one of them. And he says to these guys, hey, listen, I'm the son of, I'm, I'm him. I'm the Messiah. Now we think, oh, wow, okay, that's something that they, they, they've never heard before. They don't need repeat. Do you need, have you ever had a time in your life where you need something repeated to you so you get it? Maybe there's enough stories we, we, we wouldn't have time. If anybody has kids, you probably understand so do, we, do, we, do they need to be re- reminded that he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God? If you have your Bible, it's not on the screen, but two verses prior to this, who does Peter say that he is? You're the Messiah. See, and in two verses he says, again, I'm the Messiah. Again, I'm the Messiah. Again, I'm the Messiah. Why is he doing this? Jesus knows, he understands that in their life, these 12 guys, in their life is going to come a whole bunch of bad stuff. They're going to be persecuted, they're going to be killed, they're going to be tortured, they're going to live a life. And because of them, the spread of Christianity is here today. But they're going to give everything. But Jesus is reminding them, he's saying, listen, you have to know who I am, because it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. It's not going to be easy, it's going to be worth it. He goes on in verse 31, it says this, The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. Two verses earlier, he told him he was the Messiah. Verse 31, he tells him he's the Son of Man, he's the Messiah again. Two verses, he repeats himself. Now is when the disciples get really good at math. He's talking about himself. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no. Jesus, you come to be our Messiah. You're the king. You're the man. Mm-hmm. You're the man. We want the man. We want David. We want the gold. We want the temple. We want the, we want the huge power. Well, that's what we want. Jesus had just talked with Peter about who he is. But we have a problem with Peter. You know why? You know what the problem is? He's a human like us. He doesn't think like Jesus thinks. He doesn't think like God thinks. Sometimes we get in the way of way God thinks too, don't we? A dangerous place to be. But he is a guy that speaks his mind. You remember, this is the same guy that, that it, not, in, not very long in Scripture, when Jesus comes to get arrested, Peter's the dude, draws a sword, cuts off the ear of the guy that tries to touch Jesus and arrest him. He's, he's the spokesperson. Sometimes he speaks too quick. You ever know someone that their mouth speaks faster than their brain? That's Peter. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about your friend. It's Peter. He is a guy that speaks his mind. He's the first one to raise his hand. He's the first one to answer. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Jesus, you're the Messiah. Uh, yes, Peter, here's a gold sticker. He's, he, wants, he, wants, he wants to be the first one to answer. He's, he's the one that's outspoken. So he decides who Jesus should be. Because he says, no, 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 no. He's listening to this. He's doing this math. He's saying, wait a minute. If Jesus calls himself the Son of Man and he goes on and says he's going to be killed and three days later, no, no, no. We've been waiting for this for so long. Listen, you're going to be the king. Right here, Peter's not afraid to give Jesus his opinion. You ever given God your opinion? Don't answer that out loud. It's often said, my dad told me several times, he had to repeat things to me, okay? I know I'm not like you, but he had to repeat things to me. But he said this, he said, if you ever want to hear God laugh, just tell him your plans. Some of you will get that about lunch. But Peter puts together this math problem and he says, no way, no way, Jesus, you're the king. You're not going to come be a servant, you're going to be the man. You're, the kings reign, Jesus. Kings don't serve. Kings reign. Kings have power. So he has enough guts inside him to say, verse 32, look at this. As he talked about his op- this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Look! <laughs> took him, okay, him. Him is Jesus. Him is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. Even on the cross, the Bible says that he could call legions of angels down from heaven to save him. And he did not. And Peter, in his human intellect, I know he's not like us. Just just look into this metaphorically with me. But if we were, happen to be like Peter, sometimes we step away and say, God, you listen to me now. You're not going to be this in my life. I have this to do. You're not going to cause this. No, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Je- Peter's literally threatening Jesus to be spanked. Huh? I'm going to count Jesus. Can you imagine this? This is just crazy. And I know we we, we just look, we, we look through this and we say, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying these things. Some people would argue and say, oh, he was just asking Jesus. No. That's not what reprimand means. Jesus, you should not say these things. We don't talk like this. You never heard that? We don't talk like this. Your kid comes in, you know, with like the leggings and a tutu and a non matching and a headband. Welcome to my house. And they have like some kind of thing on. You say, We will not dress like that in public. (laughs) You can dress like that here. That's cool. But Peter took him aside. Listen, he began to reprimand him. Man, this is this is not okay. This is not okay, but you have to look at a very, very small piece of information after these verses go away and we look at something else. That Jesus had a a most powerful relationship with these guys because in all reality, Jesus should have put Peter over his knee. You don't understand what you're saying. Listen, Peter doesn't get it here. Listen, remember Garden of Gethsemane? Peter learns so much from this that he does it again. He pulls the sword out and he cuts it off. He's protecting. Now watch. Peter has a problem because he wants Jesus to be king and not the servant or, and not the servant. Peter doesn't like what Jesus is saying. King should not die. King should reign. Peter's having trouble grasping at the idea. That Jesus, now he knows who Jesus is, but he's having trouble grasping the idea, watch this, that Jesus would serve a man like him. Because he doesn't deserve it. And he says, no, 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 no. If you're the servant, you're going to serve me. And this is not okay. Peter took him aside, and he began to reprimand Jesus. Too often we read this scripture, we think this thought, the same thing that Peter does, God, you reign in my life. R-E-I-G-N. It's funny, we have reign, we'll play on words. God, you reign in my life. We play a song sometimes, Lincoln Brewster, God, you reign. It's an awesome song, great song. You know why? It has an electric guitar in it. Now, <laughs> but sometimes we, wanna, we, we, we pray in our life and we say, God, you reign in my life. And he goes, okay, I want to change this, but... Not that. We're too quick at this. Nope, not that. mm 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 Nope. Mm-mm. That's fine. But, you, but Matt, you just said I reign in your life. No, 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 no. I didn't. Yeah, you did. See, we can argue with God all we want. Guess what? He knows. Sometimes we want to take this step back. Now, why say these things? God, your plans don't match up with mine. I want to do this. Why should I submit to authority? Why should I do what my boss says? Why should I do what God says? God, I want to serve you. But what you're asking me to do, what you're telling me to do personally in my life, this is not easy. And then we get back to one of the biggest lies that's ever been told in church. When you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Christ, your life becomes awesome. I think some of these guys were learning that real quick. They, learned, they were learning they were following a guy that taught them mathematically that giving their life away would mean getting more. And they could not comprehend that. And now they said, okay, time out. He's teaching us some things for a reason. Jesus doesn't do anything on accident. And some of the guys would probably start talking, the disciples start talking. Why is he teaching this? Well, he just said he's going to go away, and the Son of Man was going to die. Now wait a minute, time out. Are we going to be left alone? He's mentoring them. Watch. Jesus dies. His human body dies. He ascends back to heaven. He's no longer on earth yet. Watch this. Because he mentored and put in, his words never stop. They haven't yet. There were people yesterday giving away dolls. There were people giving away sodas. Why? Because of this. Because Jesus chose to give. And the disciples chose to give. And it was, it was just unbelievable multiplication until someday, one day, somebody showed God's love to you. And maybe you were a little kid, and, and you got voluntold, like I, like I talked about. You get voluntold to go to church. We didn't really have a choice. We were asked anyway. Oh, yeah, you're going. I said, Dad, did I have a choice? No. But I, could feel, I feel better asking you. Some of you are not awake, but anyway. We say this, God, I want to serve you, but what you're telling me is not easy. I hear what you're saying. And God, I need to choose to live better. I ch- need to choose to give more away. But... But it's not easy. God, I have an easy... You ever done this? Can you imagine God's frustration with us? God tells us to do something, and you say, you know what? I have a version of that that I'd like to do. We do this, don't we? See, and that's what gets in our way, because living like no one else, guess what? That means living like no one else. It doesn't mean living like everyone else. The Bible calls followers, calls Christians of Jesus Christ, it calls them peculiar. You are different. You're different. You shouldn't act the same way. Oh, I know, we have bad days. Chill, I'm not condemning you. Uh, We all have bad days. But sometimes we even push the envelope like Peter does, and he says, God, I have a version of that. I have what I want to do. I have the convenient thing that would be easy for me to do. Just not all the way like you want it done. God didn't ask for your version. Now, I'm speaking to myself. How arrogant can I be to tell God my plans? How selfish. This is hard. This is hard stuff to swallow. This is hard stuff to hear. It's hard stuff to study. And it's hard stuff to do. Don't buy into the lie that living a life for God is easy. Because if you've done it, if you've practiced it, you understand that it's not. Realize this. Living a life for God is not easy. It's worth it. It's worth it. You say, well, how how, how do you know? it's, It's worth it. Last year, I had a sub. I was off a day and he came in the, the the afternoon before he wanted to check out what we were going to do and I had lesson plans set up for him he happened to be subbing in the building he came down to my room or my into the gym and he said okay what have we got planned today and he took one step in the gym and he goes Matt Griswold scary don't know him didn't think I knew him he goes i haven't seen you in probably 5 years and in my mind i'm thinking okay good that's probably why i don't know him <laughs> Young people can change in five years. He's getting ready to graduate. He's getting ready to get married, and he comes into my room, and he says this. Now, Now we're talking about this. Living a life for God is not easy, but it's worth it. Now, let me show you something. And this is not a brag on Matt. This is, this is let me show you what, what happens. He says, do you remember playing at a youth event at such and such a place at such and such a date? And I said, yeah. And I said, you're the guy that talked to me after the service. And he goes, yeah. He goes, do you remember what I talked to you about? I said, yeah. It it, it stuck out in my mind. He He had contemplated doing harmful things to his body. He was in a very, very low spot. I got to share with him some of the things and struggles that I had in my life. And I encouraged him to where the school he was going to. I knew some people. I said, you need to get involved with these people. Go to a regular worship service and you get involved in a church. And he goes, for the last five years... God put all those people in my life. And he says I was getting ready to check out of this world. But because you chose to stay, and and, and honestly, it was probably an hour and a half after we were completely done. He was alone. We We were just hanging outside the chapel, and I talked with him for an hour and a half. Living the life for God that God wants you to do is not easy. It's worth it. Do You think that hour and a half was worth it when he came in five years later to my classroom. You better believe it. It was unbelievable. And I called him by name and I said, I don't want you to ever forget this. And whenever you have that opportunity, I want you to pass it on just like I did. Because living like God is not convenient. Living, living for God is not easy. But every single time, it is worth it. Every single time, you can't outgive God. You can't. You absolutely can't. Look at at your worship handout on the next blank. Sometimes we want to tell God how things should go. Now, we're not going to get into a survey here. I'm not going to give you electronic little beepers at your seat, and we're going to vote on this question. I'm going to ask you, are you guilty of this? I don't want to know. I'm just going to guess. Okay, yes. We want to tell God how things should go. I don't need to talk to that person. We don't see eye to eye. I don't need to talk to that person. I don't need to love that person. I don't need to sit here. I don't need to park here. I don't need to be submissive to my, my, my boss. I don't mean to do what you say, God. You know. In fact, why don't you just check out this version. I'm gonna, I'll email it to you. You find out how that, just send me one back. How arrogant and superficial and human carnal are we to think that we should give God our opinion. But I mean, When this whole thing is about choosing, this whole book points to Jesus Christ, and his whole life says, I want you to give. I want you to give and show me off. That's what he said. I want you to show people how much I love them by the way that you act. Oh, that's easy, isn't it? <laughs> God, I know, I, I know how I want to handle this. Just get my back, Okay. Sometimes God has to act like the godly parent he is and do things like what we see in verse 33. Look with me. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, all of them, and then he reprimanded Peter in front of all of them. And he says what some people find to be some of the sharpest, harshest words Jesus ever says in the Bible. He refers to Peter as Satan. Satan. Not not, not not, calling him that, not saying that Peter was Satan. He uses that as a term. He says, get away from me, Satan. He said, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now, this has significance. Why did he call him Satan? Satan would have loved for Jesus not to go to the cross, by the way. You know why? Because Satan understood, and he knew exactly who Jesus was. And he knew that if Jesus went to the cross and God had said he was going to raise him on the third day, Satan knew that was going to happen. Peter is being referred to as Satan because Peter says, no, 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 I don't want you to do this. Peter is trying to keep Jesus from doing what he's supposed to do. That's why he's referred to as this. The disciples themselves were attempting to not let Jesus live his life towards the cross. Can you imagine every step that they took? When he made his final, his final little lap around the country and he was headed back towards Jerusalem, every step was a step towards death. Every single step. And the disciples probably started to understand it a little bit more each day. The disciples loved Jesus more than they'd probably loved their own parents. Jesus had done things for them that could not be possible without any, with, with any other person except him. He chose to love them They were very ordinary. He chose to love them. He chose to put into them. He chose to to mentor them. They did not want to see Jesus suffer like he was going to have to, or like he was talking about. You know, Jesus, we don't. Is there another way? He said, no. I'm choosing to lose it for you. Can you imagine these, these intimate mentoring sessions? He says, I'm going to lose my life for you, and you, and you, and you and you, and he goes around the whole circle, and he says, and you, and he said, and the woman at the well, and the person that I made walk, and the person that was blind, and the person that hates me, and all the Pharisees, and they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he said, I came for everybody. I'm choosing to lose for everybody, not just you. Have your parents or guardians ever let you get in trouble to teach you a lesson? Just enough rope to hang yourself? Good parents. Why say that? They let you experience life. You were close enough to them. They just "Mm, jerk you. You come right back. And you say, listen, we don't do that. My children think sometimes, they used to think, sometimes the arms of our couch were some type of pommel horse or gymnastic apparatus. And we had to tell them, quit, quit, quit. One day I told Mary, I said, just stop. Was it two days later? wham, floor. Ah, they come screaming. And we look at them very closely with love in our eyes and say, did we tell you not to do that? (laughs) Yes. See, we pull this stuff with God. We do. He says, listen, this is a limitation. I don't want you here. I don't want you here. I don't want you doing this. And we say, woo, we're just going to jump until we fall. And God says, listen, he comes down, he, he reprimand, now he's reprimanding Peter. He says, listen, I don't think that he grabbed his shirt collar. I think the words out of his mouth would have, would have would just crushed him. The word disappointment probably rang through Peter's head. Oh, man. Sometimes we have to remember that God is a teacher and a parent. And we think when when the results happen of something that are different from what we want to happen, we think, oh, oh, come on. God says, listen, you don't think like I do. You you don't know the path that I have for you. Oh, you may know a little bit. You may know a piece, but you don't know where I want you to end up. You don't know what you're going to encounter on the way there. The disciples tried keeping Christ away from the cross completely unknowingly, not on purpose. But Peter, who was usually the spokesman, spoke this like a true human, didn't he? Like a true mortal person trying to follow the will of God. You will not. God, you are the Messiah. You should reign. You're the man. He thought he was doing everything right, but he was doing everything the wrong way. He he literally thought he was going this way, and he was going this way. He was reminding Peter, Jesus was reminding Peter that the the role of the disciples was not to guide or to lead him. We're talking about Jesus here. The the, the role of the disciples was not to lead or guide Jesus. It was to learn to follow. It wasn't to lead yet. It was to follow. We fast forward to Acts chapter 2, and then they lead. Then they go, everywhere. But right now, they have to learn to follow before you can lead. Left up to our own self, total depravity is what this is called, left up to our own self, our human nature will, will go and choose evil. Without any other help, we will choose the, thing, uh, the path of least resistance. We will choose the things that are easiest for us to do, the most convenient, the, just the, the, the simplest They had to follow someone. These, these disciples are just like us. They had to have someone to follow to show them. So do we. Peter and the other disciples had to learn a valuable lesson. Look at your worship handout with me. Look at this next blank. Peter and the other disciples had to do this. Living a life like no other means releasing control and letting God work. We are not good at this. Oh, we sing the song, Jesus Take the Wheel, Right? Man, we're not good at that. That's a good song in theory. You know, Jesus is my co-pilot. No, that's the wrong one. Get, to, get the other bumper sticker. It says If Jesus is your co-pilot, switch seats. You're not leading him anywhere. He needs, to be, he needs to be your guide, your tour guide through this life, where he can point you and move you and take you where he needs you to go. But whenever we live a life like no other, it means that we release control of ourself to do what God wants us to do. And I know that there will not be a line of people that in the morning, whenever they wake up, they would say, You know what? Today, it's the easiest thing in the world for me to do just to release control. It's if you take control away from some people, they lose their mind. When we release control to God spiritually, he says this, I will guide you, I will teach you, I will put you in the places that you need to be put in, I will move you around the people and with the people that you need to be with. If we do not have control, it drives us nuts. To have a life like no other, you must live like no one else. Jesus moves on. Right after he corrects Peter, he calls the crowd. Now, what did that? He's already reprimanded Peter in front of the disciples. Now, now what? He calls the whole crowd over. Oh, joy. You ever got in trouble in front of a whole bunch of people? I have. I'll just, I'll, I'll, be, I'll admit to you. I have, it. it's not any fun. And then they bring more people over. Look at verse 34. Then, calling the crowd to join the disciples, he said, this is Jesus talking, if any of you wants to be my follower. Now, you think he's fired up? I don't think he said, if any of you, I don't think so. I think Jesus has a tone in his voice when he was talking. He was teaching immediately again. You see what he did? Peter said something. Peter got corrected. He moves on. It's the same with us. You do something wrong. You ask for forgiveness. We move on. New day. Michael Buble. New day, new life. I'm feeling fine. Go on. If any of you wants to be my follower, he probably says like this, hey guys, why not you come in? And Peter's probably think, sitting there thinking like me and you did when we were younger and our mo- we, were, we, were in a, we were in trouble and our mom was going crazy on us and the phone rang. And our mom could answer the phone like this. She goes, Matthew, Jennifer, blah, 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 blah. ring. Hello? <laughs> I don't know how this is possible. I think it was a lot like what Jesus did. He said, listen, Peter, you don't have any clue what you're saying. You need to be quiet. Let me teach you. And he probably moved on. He said, hey guys, why don't you come over here? And then Jesus begins to say this. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. When Jesus mentions the word cross here, it probably absolutely just goes right through people. They know exactly what crosses are. They know what they're used for. And they know it means death. And the total humiliation is when he says, You're going to have to take up, you're going to have to carry your own. I'm not into this. I'm not into this. These people could identify with the cross, they knew what it was pain, suffering, death. But Jesus here speaks of it as a laying down of yourself. God, what do you need? What in me upsets you? That's a hard prayer to pray. You know why? Because he'll answer you. You strive to be more like Christ, guess what? When you ask God to reveal those things in your life so you can be more like his son, guess what? He's a God of his word, and he will speak to you. But Sometimes we don't like to listen. Jesus was teaching them that they could lay down their life. So their life, their life was going to be used to glorify God. They were going to literally lay down their life, physically. They were going to die. He goes on in verse 35. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Here's the math problem again, we've been talking about for five weeks, and it doesn't make sense. Jesus says this figuratively, if you have two apples and you give them away in this world, you have no apples left, right? Right. Jesus is saying this, if you have your life and you give it away, you're going to have a life like you've never experienced before. The math problem doesn't make sense, but too often, even in the financial world, I've seen Mary and I have said, have said to each other, I'm so glad that God doesn't make sense on paper. He doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. How can I get a better life by giving mine away? Sacrificing. God wants to direct our paths, not have us trying to control everything. God is telling us to focus on Him, not yourself. Look at verse 36. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. If you listen to 90.9897, you've heard that song. Back to the No Fear t shirts back in the 90s. He who dies with the most toys wins. That's false. There are, no hearses on, there are no hearses with you, Halls. You don't get to take it with you. So here's what God says. This is what God says. He goes, I want you to give everything out of you spiritually, away, so that when you are gone, your words of truth about me keep going. See, I was told things by people in my family that are no longer on this earth that still remi- just just resound in my head that they're true. My grandpa would tell me about things, and I would have no idea. I was 20 or 21. My like, grandpa, why are you telling me this stuff? guess what? i got to be 28, 30, 32. i got to be later, later on, a little bit later on in life. Every, some of the things that he said, I'm like, holy cow, that's why he told me that. You ever have those? People give you advice, you have no idea why he gives me this advice. Okay. I just thought he was being random. <laughs> Turns out he was putting in truth into me. He was giving everything that he had. See, those are the people that sometimes... We don't know if they've taught us how to live. But when they give us those things, and we know that they're kind of towards the end of their life, they're showing us how we die. People giving, choosing to lose yourself, choosing to give everything that you have. Man, is it fun to to have a commitment to come to band practice? There's Wednesday nights that I have stuff going on. Is it fun for you to go to connect group? Hey, sometimes we have stuff going on. But here's what God says. He goes, you can't outgive me. You can't do it. Yes, I understand that there's things that come up, but we make that a priority. God will bless us for doing that. Look at verse 37. Is anything worth more than your soul? Huh. It's sharp. Think about that. If you go on, I believe it's, I believe it's 37. You're going down south. Uh, of Mount Vernon towards Rin Lake, off to the west side of the road, there's that unbelievable huge colored brick home. I don't know who lives there. It's beautiful. Is that worth? If you could trade straight up, is it worth your soul? No, that's what he's saying. He says, you can't possibly, guys, he's talking to the disciples here. He goes, guys, you can't possibly get a boat that's worth your soul. You can't possibly give you, you can 't possibly get anything in this world have enough money that, that even comes close to how much I should matter in your life you 're not going to see it here. That, 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 that sticker that my grandpa had on his, on his back window of his house it says i don 't make much preaching, but my retirement is out of the world out of this world see I'm going to see, I'm gonna see my, my rewards on the other side i didn 't see him here, but I saw, I see. The people that he put into in this life, and where, where they are, with their walk with God, where they are, how, how He taught them to give, how He taught them to, to, to give their time, to give their money, to give their effort, and he mentored these people. This is what Jesus is saying. He said, "Listen, you guys need to understand this thing. You cannot outgive me. Your priorities should be what I want you to do. See, we seek toys, money and fame and call living, and we call it living high on the hog. Guess what? I don't want to sound negative, but after you die, somebody's going to get your money. It's going to be recycled. Somebody's going to get your stuff. And we think, oh, I've got to have this guy right now. Now, there's nothing wrong with stuff. I'm just saying stuff doesn't go with you. God says, I'm teaching you about things that matter, matter. Goes on to 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days. Now, we think. That today is awful. And today, today is awful. This is 2,000 years ago. There's no new sin. Solomon tells us that in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. This is still sin. But, he says, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. It means this. Jesus is talking to these people. He's teaching them. He's telling them. Remember, he's a revolutionary thinker. This is not like sacrificing animals. Jesus says this. You have to have a relationship with me to see heaven, is what he's telling them. This whole laying down of yourself, he used a scary word with him. He said, carry your cross. And Peter, Paul later in the New Testament start, talk, talks about that, that he lays down his life daily. Sometimes, sometimes in my life it's been hourly. God, I shouldn't have thought that way. How do you want me to react to that? That's tough. That's a hard prayer to pray. But in 38, Jesus is saying, listen, he's speaking very clearly. He's he's telling this entire crowd of people, listen, I am the new covenant. I am the son of man. I am the Messiah. I am who I say that I am. The only way that you will get to have a life like this is if you lay yours down. He's telling them that they need to have a relationship with him. The last blank on on the worship handout Pretty simple, not too creative. It's a question I want you to ask yourself. In a minute, I'm going to have an opportunity for you to tell God that. Will you choose to lose? Underneath that little little part, there's a little space on the bottom of it. Now, I want you for accountability, if you want to. You to yourself, you write yes or no. Now some of us, some of us know this. Some of, this. some of us have been asking this question. We've been, we've, been, we've been a follower of Jesus Christ for a long time. We've been a Christian for a long time. And we've seen this question before in our life when, when God talks to us and we are too stubborn to say yes. Because if we, re, we realize we've been a part of too many people's lives that have done this and we say, no, 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 no. No, their life is not easy and I don't want that. I've been there. As we, we have to choose to lose. You're a part of a group of believers. That this building is not our church. You are. Our kids are. To do some of the stuff that we do, we have to do this. This is where we're going. We're choosing to lose. It's not easy. Man, we're going to get bumped. We're going to get bruised. We're going to get scraped. We might bleed. Living a life for Jesus Christ is not easy. It's worth it. So as we conclude this choosing to lose, I want you to listen very carefully. We're concluding this whole sermon, this whole series. Some of us have done a pretty good job at this. Maybe you've given your life to serve. Maybe you are serving. You still serve. Listen. Great. Great. I talked to you earlier. You can't outgive God. And I'm not. am ta- not saying that you need to move into the church. You don't need to. We don't, you don't need to have this be- this over, this room over here as your bedroom. You don't need to do that. You have a family. God gives us a brain too. He says, "I want you to spend time with your family too." But some of us can can look in here, and we say, "Wow!" In the in the very very middle of your of your worship handout, there's a Connect Group schedule for this week, and at the very at the very bottom. There's a need for a popcorn and coffee maker and popcorn. Maybe, maybe you aren't plugged in. Listen, this is a church that say we, we say, hey, come get plugged in. We want you apart. We want you to choose to lose. Why? Because people came in here this morning and the first thing on their mind was, when they hit the door was, popcorn. It's turning to some of you guys' breakfast. It's okay, you can admit it, it's fine. But the coffee, some of us, is a necessity. The coffee. Woo! As we close this, I want, I want you to think back over the last five weeks, just what God has been saying to you. What has he said to you? What has he said individually to you? Will you choose to lose? This is one of the hardest things that we can possibly do in heaven, this side of heaven. Choosing to give up our life. And the cool thing is, when we ask God to do something, we ask God to show us something, here's the cool thing, He does it. Sometimes it doesn't come back the way that we think it should come back, but He always, always talks to us, always, always. So today I'm going to give you an opportunity, in a second I'm going to have everybody close their eyes and we're going to all bow our heads, okay? Okay. And if there's some people in here, I'm going to say, are there some people in here that need to do a better job at choosing to lose for God? I'm going to have you be brave. and I'm going to ra- You're going to have your eyes closed. I'm going to raise my hand too, just to show you. I'm going to do this. All right, none of you should see me because your eyes should be shut. But I'm going to ask you, Do you need, is there something in your life that you really need God to move you on? Maybe you need to forgive someone. You need to choose to lay down your thoughts, your pride, and you need to go ask for forgiveness. You need to forgive somebody because it's just taken a whole long time and you've wasted a lot of time. Been there. Maybe you need to look at, ask God, say, God, what do you want to do in my life? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Is it cool if I cook popcorn? Are you going to choose to lose? What will you do? After I pray, we're going to be dismissed. You just bow your heads with me. If you're one of those people, whether you're a new Christian, new believer, or a seasoned veteran, if there's anybody here that wants to be brave enough this morning to say, yes, God has been talking to me, yes, the Holy Spirit has been talking to me, I know there are things in my life that I need to choose to lose more. I need to be be better at it. If, you are, if you're in this room right now, just raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you at all. Thank you. I see those hands. You can put them down. God, you make all things new. You are the God that takes people going one direction and can literally change them 180 degrees. you set their feet back on the rock where it should be. You give them purpose. You can heal their body. God, this morning as we end this choosing to lose sermon series, God, I ask you, those people that are real with you, the people that wanted to raise their hands and didn't, or the people that did raise their hands, God, I ask you to move in our life in a way like we've never seen you move. God, I beg you to move through this church like you've never moved before. God, there's going to be places and chances that we're going to get bumped. We're going to get rolled over. We may get knocked over, God, but please, we're asking you, God, show us those areas in our life where we need to be better. We need to be more like your son. We need to forgive. Maybe we need to get rid of an addiction. Maybe we need to get rid of the stuff in our life so we can focus on you. God, help us to realize that we can't outgive you. Help us to pour our lives into meeting with each other in connect groups and in in services and pouring into our life as we talk, maybe to mentor one another. God, to give each other the love that we have inside of of us that you've given us. God, help us never to waste a hurt that you've brought us through in this life. Help us to be open and honest. Help us choose to lose, God. Help us choose to lose. In your name we pray. Amen.